there. Welcome to episode 10 of the Author Elevate podcast, where we equip and encourage authors to reach their next level of success and have some fun along the way. And who is we? Well, that's Janina Polito and Amy Williams. Yay! That's me. Yes. And that's you. Mm-hmm. And we are together here to say thank you to everybody for tuning in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We love doing this podcast. We have a ton of fun and we hope that you all are enjoying it as well. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, please give us a little subscribe. Click the subscribe button uh, so you don't miss any of the cool stuff that we release. Mm -hmm. Um, Then also, if you're listening on Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or Amazon or any of the other places where you get your podcasts, um, you can also subscribe there as well. And Mm -hmm. uh, we're just so grateful that you all are here and listening to us. We love this community Mm -hmm. and we love being able to serve you guys. Yes. And if you're interested in leveling up and you're interested in getting some more cool and shiny stuff, be sure to check out the author up. Author Elevate Mastermind at our Patreon subscription. We are now doing post episode exclusives. So, our awesome Patreon subscribers last episode got an exclusive extra training on how to do goal setting. And we put some juicy stuff in there. And so, every time we do an episode, we are going to have a short Um, afterwards clip that goes into the main topic a little bit deeper, maybe ask some more intense questions of the person we're interviewing or et cetera, just really fun stuff. And so if you want access to that, uh, you need to sign up for our Patreon and be at the $3 or $5 level. Those are the ones that are getting the post episode exclusives. And of course, for only a dollar, Uh, you can get access to episodes early and get access to our Facebook group just for our Patreons. But if you want those extra exclusives, which I'm super excited about, especially with us not um, doing a big course this fall, those exclusives are going to be a great place to get some extra training and some extra insight and encouragement every single week for only $3 or $5 a month. And then at $5 level, we'll also get send out some worksheets. So great, affordable, and plus it supports us and uh, lets us to continue to make all of this awesome, uplifting author help for you. And it helps us make the, the thing prettier. Yes. So. <laughs> I, like if you're watching this on YouTube, it is prettier and the audio has gotten a lot easier. So we yeah. are definitely leveling up on that ourselves. We're not just using Zoom anymore. Yay. Oh, I'm glad those days are gone. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and that's a shout out to Restream IO, which we're using now for our recording. And we're very happy with it. So very thank you, Restream. Happy. Very happy. Yeah. All right. So on to some personal shares. What do you have to share, Amy? Well, uh, I am honestly, I'm getting a lot done, but it's not exactly what I would call creative work. I'm I'm kind of just getting things ready. I'm leaving for another conference. Like wow. I swear, I just got back from, uh-huh. from Realm Makers and I'm barely recovered from that. But mm-hmm. I've got another conference that I'm leaving for in a couple of days. Okay. Uh, and I'll be gone for a week and a half or so. And then right after that, I've got another trip that's coming up. So um, it's the season. It's the season for lots of travel. But then hopefully when that one's done, uh, mm-hmm. I get to stay in place for a little Yay. while. It's going to be great. Yeah. The first conference is, um, it's another writing and speaking conference. And so I'm uh-huh. really excited to get there and connect with some old friends and meet yeah. some other people. So, mm-hmm. so that'll be fun. It's in Kentucky. So hopefully Yay. I won't be a canoe. Um, 
but oh that's what's going yes. on with me. Oh, yeah. So. How about you? How about you? What's happening on your end? Okay, so I am mostly just getting my life sort of back in order. Another busy month for me with different things. I am back to working on two writing projects again. I really needed that. And I I kind of go back and forth. You know, sometimes I say, well, I'm going to just focus on the one and that will be my project and I will love it. But with some different like life shifts and such, I realized I needed to work on a second project as well. So again, we at Author Elevate don't judge you either way for that because sometimes your brain just needs different things and that's okay. So I'm working on the one project and halfway through and feeling pretty good about getting that one finished. Um, I just kind of sit on it for a bit and it takes a little more effort from a certain part of my head. And so yeah. like if my life is really chaotic, it's really hard to sit down and write um, that one as easily. I have to have a little more quietness to do that. So the second one is a little more of my usual um, fling things on the page thing. <laughs> um, and it also takes a little more work to write, but it's a little easier just to hop in. Like, say, if someone wants to watch TV, I can work on that project. Whereas my other project, I have to have like absolute silence and the right music and everything. And that's just the way it writes. Um, so having the two and being able to switch between them is going to be really helpful and has yeah. been really helpful just to make sure I'm keeping writing because I love to write. And if I stop writing for too long, my brain is very unhappy. <laughs> so... <laughs> So very excited to be working on those two projects again in the midst of all of the other stuff that is yeah. going on. And speaking of new things, um, new and shiny, things. new and shiny. And this is something again, like sometimes on new and shiny, we find out things that maybe were around a bit earlier, but it takes a while for stuff to get around the publishing sphere. And if like, you're not watching a certain person's podcast or a certain person, reading a certain person's blog, you totally miss stuff. Right. So I just figured this out recently, and maybe you did too. And if you didn't, then hey, you get to learn about it again, and it's still so cool. So, um, Ingram Spark, which is one of the big POD uh, printers, and if you upload your book through Ingram Spark, even as an indie, you can get your book into libraries and into bookstores. They can order it through things. It's pretty much your, one of your only options to be able to yeah. do that, which. We're not fans of Monopoly here, but this is where we are at. So rather than think about that too much, we're going to say it is really cool that with Ingram Spark, um, you can do uh, laminate printing on the covers with a desk jacket. Yeah. And for those of you who just want what, this means that you know how you can get your cover printed directly onto a hardback book, like directly onto that nice, that nice hard cover. Um, Ingram will let you do that. And then also... Uh, let you have the desk jacket on top of that, which means even if you're doing POD, you can have a different cover on the actual book, and then you can have another cover on the uh, desk jacket, which is just really cool. So I think shiny. it's cool. <laughs> so you can have like make your um, hardbacks even shinier. Uh, you can have like exclusive art printed on the cover, and then like have the regular the regular cover on the dust jacket, or you can have special symbols. Um, a hardcover I just ordered recently had like a special symbol and stuff on the, uh, the hardback edition. And the thing is, the reason it's cool to make hardcover shiny is that if anyone invests in a hardcover of your book, they're going for the aesthetic. Yeah, obviously. Okay, the hardcovers I have, I got them because they were pretty. Did I know I could probably get them in paperback if I waited? Or if, you know, I just searched for it, I did, but I wanted it in hardcover because it is shiny and it is pretty and I want to take pictures of it and I want it to be on my bookshelf forever and love it and cherish it. So 
Um, it's not a bad idea, um, especially if you're in certain genre areas like uh, young adult fantasy, um, young adult romance, uh, especially young adult fantasy romance. This is really yeah. something you can look into. <laughs> That's kind of like the, the all three genres there or some other different genres that love pretty books that love to have the posts on Instagram or TikTok or the pretty videos. Um, investing in getting um, your something special on the case laminate on that interior on that hardback cover itself and then getting a different dust jacket can really be a fun way to level up on things and if you really want to go the whole way then you get stuff printed on the inside of the dust jacket too and it's just like the gift that keeps on giving Um, (laughs) shout out to julie hall because she does this really well like she and this is how you can do different kinds of cells like i know some of you who are thinking well i don't write I can't write four, five, or six books a year. Well, she's in a genre where you could just build up on shinies. And she and her husband have done an amazing job building their brand with this. Like, they really know what they're doing. Um, and so she has, like, this one edition that has, like, one kind of interior art. And this other edition that has a different kind of interior art. And then, of course, there's the new printing on the hardback. And there's this. And there's that. And she has built such, you know, a great community with her books and a great community with other authors to be able to do that. So it's just shiny. Okay. It's shiny. <laughs> so what do you think, Amy? Do you think you're going to uh, ever do this oh, for a book? I have so many ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I have so many ideas. Um, well, and what, one of the things that I've always kind of been thinking about, mm-hmm. um, especially with my big old superhero series. Right. Right. Because um, there, I chose not to go um, hardback right. with them. Because the covers that I currently have, for the most part, are, they're not temporary covers, but right. they, they weren't what I wanted. Right. And so my, this gives me the opportunity to make special editions. Because yeah. that, that whole series, it's so big and it's so complicated, but mm-hmm. it's, I'm releasing them in phases. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, phase one has seven right. books. And so when I, so that means I can release them in paperback first mm-hmm. with one type of cover. And then by the time I get all seven of them done, I could do something like this and re-release them as a special edition with mm-hmm. different dust jackets with the covers that right. I actually custom mm-hmm. designed for them. But then that also allows me to do specific artwork, like different maybe character artwork mm-hmm. on the on the, the laminate of the actual hardback. I mean, the, the right. opportunity is... The, the the options are endless which is right really cool. right it's just but really fun yeah if you can if you can make it even more appealing and mm-hmm. and like a keepsake yeah exactly thing, then i mean that's that's just a tremendous opportunity so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah no i'm i might be <laughs> really and, excited about that <laughs> and the beautiful thing about this is that because you can get it through a POD, whereas before you could do this, but you had to order these big, big quantities. Thousands and thousands, yeah. And that might make sense for, again, if you're operating at the level of someone like Julie Hall, who does this all the time with her stuff. Right. You can order big quantities, you can invest in that and know that you're going to sell them. But if you're just starting out and you want to play with this or start building your brand or explore doing a special hardback edition it's so much nicer to have a pod yeah. which is print on demand so that you don't have to invest 500 700 a thousand dollars in all these specialty books and not be sure that you have an audience to sell them to right 
So something very cool for you to think about with that. And it was, again, something very, very new and shiny. It's um, very exciting. I know that um, I am in talks with UUP um, about getting a special edition of Men by Midnight now that it has won an award. Um, and so seeing that these things are possible just kind of makes me go, oh, starry eyes. <sighs> okay. And <laughs> on to the main topic, we are tackling setting and description which doesn't sound like it would be difficult it's gonna say it also doesn't always sound like the you know the coolest thing on the block to talk about we're gonna tell you how to describe a tree i know it kind of gives you those like flashbacks to you know in school when elementary school and they're like okay now we're gonna write descriptive paragraphs here so what color is the sky (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, look at the photo in front of you. What color is the sky? What color is the grass? What might the grass smell like if you're doing a sensory paragraph and all those things? But the thing is, your book is not a movie. <laughs> so you have to describe things. Um, and I've seen this more lately. I will say that the market sometimes changes the genre expectations and can change of the way people write, which feeds into itself. And we've acknowledged that here before. There are a lot of authors who realized, hey, we can use less description and all dialogue and a certain kind of reader will gobble it up. And so because of that, in certain genres, um, there is less of an emphasis on description all the time because they found that there are certain, uh, certain readers, usually whale readers who are reading quite a lot of books and maybe not remembering everything about each one, who just don't care. And so on the very like market-driven, profit-driven side, they're like, well, we can crank these out a lot faster and not have to worry about that stuff. <sighs> Whether or not we, I think that might be, you know, great for the value and quality of the storytelling, I don't know. That's something that can be debated in terms of reading and writing philosophy, but this is the case. But what that means is you have to be even more specific with your setting and description. So it actually doesn't make it too much easier on you. And also, if you're writing in certain genres, like epic, um, like some fantasy romance, um, they still want all the description and they want it in, in specific areas that they're there for. They, they want description of feelings. They want description of sensory details as they're noticing the person they're going to fall in love with or et cetera. So you, even though... I've seen um, a number of books use less description in certain genres that doesn't leave you off the hook for it. Right. And I, at least in my, what I've seen and what I've talked to and what seems to be the case as far as what, what I have observed is that many times when people are reading a book, regardless of what genre it is, they want Mm -hmm. an experience. Right. They They, do. They want to be able to experience for themselves what is happening in the book whether it's going on an Mm -hmm. adventure with the character or putting themselves Mm -hmm. in the character's shoes or whatever it is they Mm -hmm. want to be able to have the same experience that the character is having Mm -hmm. and probably one of the best ways to do that is through the use of description right but it can't just be the sky is blue the wind is Blowing the yeah. grass is wet. Yeah. Oh my you know, goodness! No. Uh, it, it's because that that doesn't mm-hmm. immerse us mm-hmm. in the world. So there, mm-hmm. there is there are tips and there are tricks and there are strategies mm-hmm. to using description 
that will provide a reader with an experience. Right. And that's where um, we're going to start off with this. Everything has to be intentional. Absolutely. And that's where I use the idea of setting the stage. Um, I led a high school play for several years. I was a director. I was producer. I was all that stuff. and wore a lot of hats during that. And whenever you're collecting props for those things, you're always thinking about, well, in my case, you know, my budget was small as well. So I was thinking, what's the minimum I can put on that stage that is going to tell something about the scene of the story that is going to set the stage and help the reader to be immersed. And even more so now with some genres uh, skewing towards less description, the description you use has to be more intentional. You can't bury it in like a paragraph anymore, which I don't think you should be doing anyway, by the way. And but on the opposite side of that too, mm -hmm. don't bring it up if it's not important. Right. Because if you walk in a room and the first thing your character sees is a spider web, a spider better drop on their head by the end of the scene. Uh, yeah, yeah but, it has to have something to do with the story. So that's our first tip is make sure everything is intentional. When you're going through um, at the line stage, especially if you're at it's, um, again, if you're writing, if you've gotten to a place of craft where you can do this really intentionally um, from your first draft, that saves you time. And I've gotten to a place where I can do that. I still have to go back through with a line edit and check my description but I've gotten better at putting the, mo the more, most important stuff in at the beginning. Um, but even if you have to wait till a later editing pass, make it intentional, uh, make it have to be there, set the stage. And part of this is also knowing genre expectations. That will help you a lot so that you're not over-describing in a genre that doesn't care. Or in some cases, again, with like a fantasy romance, I've seen fantasy romances where people have under-described and I'm like, but you need to describe what the person looks like. If that is going to be their thing, that is going to be their person, they need to notice that person. They need to notice their hair color. They need to notice, <laughs> um, smell is usually a thing, even though people don't <laughs> usually notice that, but in books, it is a thing. <laughs> Well, and, and you do genre is so important because otherwise mm -hmm. you could be writing like a fast paced political thriller, but then you're trying to talk about trees the way that Tolkien did in yeah. Lord of the Rings. No one cares. Bad idea. <laughs> no one cares. Nobody needs 20 pages on what the trees look like. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what's another way that description really needs to be intentional in terms of your actual storytelling? Description in setting the stage. Mm -hmm. One of the things that description will allow you to do mm -hmm. is to foreshadow things that are coming mm -hmm. later in the book. Um, there are ways that you can describe a scene mm -hmm. or the setting detail that mm -hmm. will set a mood. Mm -hmm. um, it will, like if you're in a forest, is it mm -hmm. a happy forest? <laughs> Or is it a scary forest mm -hmm. or, you know, and, and what the care, what the characters observe and what they mm -hmm. interact with and how they participate in what's going on in the scene. Mm -hmm. There are elements of setting description that you can have your characters interact with that will sort of tell a story that's under the story right. there's a second that story subtext, that's going on. yeah yeah in, in the subtext. in the subtext of what's of what's happening <laughs> mm -hmm. i mean and i'm i'm trying to think of a good example but um how you know um say say you've got a character who is 
say you're telling a love story or mm-hmm. something and you've got a, and a character that has to make a choice and mm-hmm. then they just randomly pick up a flower and they start plucking petals off. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that is a, that can be a sensory or a, a setting detail of mm-hmm. something that is in the scene that a character can be interacting with, right, but right. it's, it's part of either destroying a flower or okay. it's, mm-hmm. or it's having to take a choice and, <laughs> You know, so there are there are all of these elements that you can do that are symbolic within right. a setting or within the scene that with all of your intentional items mm-hmm. that will foreshadow a choice or will foreshadow a loss mm-hmm. or may foreshadow a victory. I mean, it, yeah. it all depends on how you want to represent it. But mm-hmm. part of that intentionality is using everything that's around your character to, again, in the subtext, communicate right. more than what's actually mm-hmm. just there. And you're, so you're trying to use your description to amplify everything right. else. Because re- when people are reading a book, they are trying to make meaning of the book. And especially with a the book, they're having to engage their brain to try to create what's on the page in their minds. So it's not so much about describing the color of everything, but it's about using those specific symbols to help them to create that, that experience for themselves. Um, and the way they're going to understand, which is why sometimes when you see this kind of foreshadowing, you'll see people using common symbols for different things. You mentioned, you know, plucking uh, petals off a daisy that some people from different cultural backgrounds may not get that symbolism. Um, so you're using a common language of symbolism, which is why some people who are who write really fast uh, will often just reuse the same sorts of symbols over and over again because it very easily gets into the reader's head. Um, if you're going to try to use foreshadowing for really uh, uncommon symbols, right? it takes a little more explaining. Readers might go, so I think what they're doing is supposed to be important, or I think that like red brick in the corner is meant to be important, but... Uh, I don't get it. Whereas well, you, and of course, <laughs> whereas you and, want them, yeah, hang on. You, you can totally go overboard with it too. Uh-huh. I mean, and cause you don't want to get to the point where you're so clever with it that, mm-hmm. that it takes a lot of trying to figure out what you're attempting to do because mm-hmm. sometimes a flower is just a flower, but, right. but if, if you can do it well, it can really enhance uh, the experience of the story that you're trying to tell. Right. And it's also just important to make sure that you, that readers will get it. And that's where your beta readers come in really helpful. Like if they go, okay, this, I get it. Oh, I knew, I kind of knew that was coming, even though I didn't know it was coming. That's when you're using foreshadowing and you're going to be using description with that. I like, I, this is, this is not exactly the same sort of example, Mm -hmm. but I like to think of the idea of setting description, Mm -hmm. like a soundtrack that goes along with a movie. Um, because there are certain sounds, there are certain mm-hmm. leitmotif themes mm-hmm. that will tell you exactly what's going to happen next, even if you don't see it. Right. Um, right. So like, okay, first thing that came to mind is, uh, I loved the, the book of Boba Fett. Um, okay. I enjoyed it. It wasn't my favorite. Of <laughs> we all can of agree those, to disagree. But yeah. I, I enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> and, uh, but one of the moments that came along that that made me get really excited 
was in the episode right before the Mandalorian came in. Mm-hmm. You've got Boba Fett and Fennec Shand standing on the balcony at Jabba's palace, mm-hmm. and they're talking about hiring muscle. And in the background, you hear the Mandalorian's theme start playing. Right, and you're like, "Yes, finally!" And you, if immediately, you're... you go, "I know what that is. It's recognizable." Yes. yes. <laughs> and anyway, but that's that's how I kind of look at how setting and background and and description can mm-hmm. enhance and tell you what's coming or give you an idea of what's coming or set the mood for what's coming without right. you as an author actually having to tell your audience anything. Mm-hmm. So. And something else that you can do with that, here's another tip for you. Um, we really mind a lot with foreshadowing, but there's a lot you can do with that. Um, sometimes we should probably do a whole episode on foreshadowing because it's yeah, so it's tricky. Useful. Yeah. Um, but another thing, and this is one of my basic rules, is if it explodes, describe it. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful when you have your character entering new environments. Now, the trick with that is if your your protagonist is entering a new environment, or this is any POV character, whoever's in the scene, you have to think about, well, what would they naturally notice? What do I need them to notice for the sake of the story? So those two things you have to play with a lot. But you also may have to make sure that you describe what is important and what's pushing the plot forward. And I find especially if you're in a place where like, well, what do I describe here? I'm like, well, if it's relevant to a big plot point, uh, to an action moment, to a big reveal or decision, then you need to describe it more. Right. If the main character is going into a room where someone is going to tell them very difficult news, um, you may want to describe that more in certain ways to set the stage for what that reveal is going to be or what that difficult news is going to be. So that's where it goes. That where that's where it goes from the plot again, and says, okay, if it explodes, describe it. If they're just walking through it, if the pizza guy is living a pizza and it's just a pizza, you don't have to describe what he looks like very much. Uh, you don't have to describe the pizza very much, okay? Unless there's going to be some kind of argument over the pizza. Unless um, it's important, <laughs> you know. So if it, if it explodes, if it's going to make something happen, then describe it. But if it's just there because you need to mention they ate something because you realize they probably haven't eaten something in a while and maybe that's important, then you don't have to describe it very much. Um, And that will also help the reader's focus to stay on your main narrative instead of like wondering, well, they're describing that pizza box an awful lot. Is that part of the story? Right. (laughs) Because then you kind of lead them on track, which if you want to do a red herring, you can, but um, those are tricky to manage. So I would not recommend doing that just for the fun of it. Um, (laughs) Unless you want to have a lot of really angry readers on your hands. Or confused readers or people who are just unsatisfied. Yes. You know, it's readers will give you a lot of slack if you tell a good story and it's close to what they're expecting. But if they come away just feeling unsatisfied, like they couldn't engage in this conversation with you and understand what's going on, that will quickly lose you a star if people are confused like that. Um, all right. And what about something else, Amy? Uh, the, another one that I think about is I love to use sensory detail mm-hmm. when I am doing description. Um, mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to that idea of trying to help your audience and your readers have an experience. Well, mm-hmm. many people, when they're reading a book, it, the easiest way to draw them into a scene mm-hmm. is to describe the senses that you're Mm -hmm. having or the the feelings that you're having or the Mm -hmm. other uh things that are going on and how you're perceiving them the trouble is which sense do you use because we've got five senses 
And so do you, you can't be all describing of all five every time that's going to no. be overkill real quick. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of, like a quick rule of thumb that I like to use mm-hmm. is to, to identify a sense that just makes the most, makes the most sense mm-hmm. to, uh, to whatever the, the scene is. Like if you're, if your character is walking into a magma chamber in a mm-hmm. volcano, probably the thing that is going to make the most sense is going to be the feel of the heat on right. their skin. Mm-hmm. Um, if they're walking through a forest, to me, what's going to make the most sense is either going to be what they're hearing or mm-hmm. what they're smelling. Mm-hmm. And in some of that too, it also depends on what you want your character to learn or to mm-hmm. focus on mm-hmm. in that scenario. And just to interject real quick, it's also, yeah. of course, what they're seeing is going to be very important too. Oh, well, yes. <laughs> we're, we kind of work, when, we, when Amy's talking about sensory detail, she's focusing on the non-visual senses because yes. we assume that you're going to visually describe things that are important, that are foreshadowing, that are relevant to the story. We're assuming that. So we're going to focus here on the other four senses. Right. Well, and the the thing too that I find with visual senses mm-hmm. is that that lends itself to, to telling. It does. When, when you focus your description on telling us what your character is seeing, mm-hmm. you're not letting your character actually experience what they're seeing. Right. And it so, can be useful. Telling can be useful depending on the kind of story that you are telling. Right. right. But we tend to find, unless you're a more experienced author, people often err on the side of too much telling rather than not enough. So. Like I... I'm trying, there was a, there was an example I read that Mm -hmm. I thought gave a really good, um, just comparison on -hmm. the difference between just telling us what's going on versus like true immersive storytelling Mm -hmm. where you can say, you know, your care, my character walked through this wheat field. Right. On, on the other side, you can say the, the tips of the wheat brushed Mm -hmm. their fingertips as they walked across the field. I mean, and the difference in that being, Oh yeah. Either you are telling me what your character is doing, or you're actually showing me a picture through sensory detail of the wheat heads on their hands, how Mm -hmm. high the wheat is, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and giving them the picture of somebody walking across a field. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I like to use for, for, sensory details outside or beyond just the mm-hmm. visual. And if you're the kind of person who's writing in a genre, but that, that does a lot of internal reactions, uh, first person YA, first person urban fantasy does this a lot. The key is you still have to have those sensory details, but you, when you're doing the internal monologue, that's usually in reaction to it. Right. So it doesn't replace the sensory details. It adds more to them that pushes the story forward. Um, and so that's where that that comes into play. It's not like one takes over the other. They still have to work in tandem. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, re- summing that up for you, some quick tips for setting description. Make sure everything is intentional and setting the stage. Like everything is intentional. Less is more always. And that's even if you have to describe it a lot, still use the least amount of words that you need. Even if the least amount of words is still a paragraph. Right. It has to be the least amount of words. Um, foreshadowing, make sure you're using description to foreshadow future events. 
Um, if it explodes, describe it, base it around key plot points, and use all of those other senses, not just visuals. Use other things, uh, other senses, taste and scent and scent and touch to draw readers into the story. That sound about right, Amy? Sounds about right to me. Awesome. And then the cool thing is, is that Amy and I are about to hop into an after session special where we're going to, we are going to discuss specifically how to set the stage for individual chapters in your books. And we're likely going to also go into some tips about different genre expectations for that. And of course, um, if you're on our Patreon at the $3 or $5 level, you have access to this as a true thank you from our hearts to yours for supporting and believing in this podcast. Uh, so you need to make sure you hop onto the Patreon page and check out that exclusive video there. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. Now go forth and be awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.